Samuel chapter 9. I appreciate the opportunity anytime to be able to come and preach God's Word and grateful for Pastor for the opportunity. Man, it's, it's been a while since I've been able to like teach in front of some people. I was like, man, I'm missing children's church. I'm teaching in a video and all sorts of things, but I am so grateful for that. And so, um, amen. So we'll go ahead, 2 Samuel chapter 9. We'll start off in verse 1 and we'll read all the way through verse 13. And it says, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1, and it says, And David said, Is there yet any that is left in the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David the king, David the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto? And Ziva said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Mechur, and the son of Amuel and Lodabar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Mechir and son of Amar and Lodabar. And now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servants. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan, they, thy father's sake. And will restore thee all the land of Saul and thy father. And thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant and that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. And now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba unto the king, according to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servants, so shall thy servant do. As Mephibosheth said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's son. And Mephibosheth had a younger son whose name was uh, Micha. And all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for tonight. And Lord, as we open up your word here, Lord, I pray that your word would touch the hearts of those that are listening. And Lord, I pray that we'd set aside all distractions from this week, Lord, and that we'd put the focus in on you. Lord, we ask that you would work in each and every one of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, I have something that I want to show you guys. Okay, so I'm going to show you. It's very important to me. So, in... In high school, in high school, I was in wrestling. That was my sport. I enjoyed it. 
Um, it was hard work. And one of the things my freshman year that my coach told me about was called the Gladiator of the Mad Award. Gladiator of the Mad Award. And uh, every year he awarded these awards, and it was a big deal. Because here's the thing. Not just anybody could earn the Gladiator of the Mad Award. In fact, what you had to do was, one, you had to be part of the wrestling program for all four years of high school. You couldn't take a break. You couldn't do any, uh, you, couldn't, uh, you couldn't skip out one year and then rejoin. That would disqualify you from the Gladiator of the Mad Award. You had to show up to at least 90% of the practices. You had to participate in multiple tournaments. And you couldn't quit. So here's the thing is wrestling was a hard sport. There was a lot of things you, you, you had to do. You had to make weight. You had to work. You had to wake up early and go to early morning practices. You had to deal with what they call two-a-days, which means that you had to go in the morning time and in the evening time to practice. You had to go to, to tournaments that would last all day on the weekends. And here's the thing is that my coach pushed us. My coach pushed us to be the best that we could be. He said, hey, it's not about winning. It's about pushing yourself to the limit. Pushing yourself to the limit. And he did that. In fact, during two days, he tried to see how many kids he could make throw up. Uh, if, he, if, he, if he got you to throw up, he was pretty excited about that. And he had many different ways to do that. Okay, But here's the thing. For all four years... I kept my eye on the prize. I was like, I want that gladiator of the mat. I want that. I want it, and I've worked hard for it, and all sorts of things. And the day came, our senior night, and he awarded the gladiator of the mat award. And it has my name. It has the years that I, I was a part of it, and I was super, super excited. Now, I wasn't saying I was the best wrestler, not, not even close, but I was super happy that I put in the work to earn this award, okay? Now, I also have another thing. It's a nice, nice little birthday present, okay? So here's the thing. Birthday presents are kind of the opposite of trophies, okay? Here's the thing. You had to, we have to work for a trophy most of the time, most of the time, okay? Most of the time, I know you can get participation awards now, but you have to work for a lot of trophies, here's the thing. For birthday presents, do you have to work for many birthday presents? Not really, no. Pretty sure the kids would answer no to as well. And here's the thing. Birthday comes along, and all of a sudden, boom, you're getting gifts. You're getting gifts, and uh, you're getting maybe big ones, like in bags like this. Maybe you're getting some in smaller bags. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that you can get on your birthday. You can get... Um, some kids uh, get toys, other maybe adult, us adults like electronics, maybe a little bit more like an Apple Watch, an iPad, an iMac, catching the theme there. Uh, so here's the thing. So we all like gifts. And here's the thing. We don't have to do anything for a gift. And here by the end of the service, I'm going to let you know what's in this gift. Okay, so I, what I'm going to do just so... I don't forget, I'm going to leave it right there so people can see that and think about that. Here's the thing. Tonight, 
we're going to look at the life of a man called Mephibosheth. He was a grandson. He was a grandson of a king. His father had once been crowned prince of Israel. He was poor. He was a poor man. He had, his great expectation had all been wiped away. And he was heir to a lost estate. Tonight, we are going to go ahead and we are going to look at the events that happened to Mephibosheth and how they can apply here tonight to us. So the first thing we're going to take a look at, we're going to see the compassion for Mephibosheth. The compassion for Mephibosheth. David sat at the table full. He, had, he was sitting one night at his table and he had all his stuff and he was looking around. And you know, I can imagine that he looked around and he possibly saw, he, he, he began to look and he looked at the musicians and remembered when he played and he helped King Saul. He maybe saw his sword and remembered when he, what, he was only an armor bearer. He noticed the bow and arrow and possibly even remembered his best friend, Jonathan. Here's the thing. Jonathan and David, they were the best of friends. They loved each other. You know what, I think some of us could maybe even think about that friend. That friend that, that, that is like our best friend. That we can call upon to talk to at any time. That we can go to whenever we have a problem. And maybe you can think about that best friend. And you're like, yeah, David and Jonathan, they were best friends. They, they encouraged one another. Jonathan, Jonathan, when he was the friend of David, and he was, the, he was the type of friend that you would want. Here's the thing. After, after all, Jonathan could have easily been jealous of David. He could have easily been jealous of David. He could have been upset with David. He could have been upset when David was chosen king instead of him. He could have got God anointed David to be king, and Jonathan knew that, you know what, he had to follow God. So David was a man of great compassion. So we see that when he says, he says this, he says in verse 2, And there was the house of Saul, a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called David the king, said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. So his heart, David's heart was wanted to show compassion. David's heart, he wanted to go ahead and do something nice. But here's the thing, that this inquiry of David brings up a correlation to how Christ is. To how Christ is. Here's the thing. David, David says, is there any of the house of Saul? Is there any? David didn't want to just pick, well, is there anybody rich in the house of Saul that I can bless? Is there anybody of great rapport that I can bless? Can I tell you that David wanted to bless anybody? Can I tell you that God, God wants to reach everyone? God wants to reach everyone. He doesn't want to just reach one type of person. He doesn't want to re- reach somebody that only lives in Idaho. He doesn't want to re- uh, reach somebody that's certain height or certain, uh, certain stature. He doesn't want to reach anybody that has a certain 401k. He wants to see, he wants to reach everyone, just like how David was wanting to bless anybody in the house of Saul. God wants to bless 
anyone, anyone. Here's the thing too as well, is that the inquirer David brings up a very good point because he says, is there not yet any of the house of Saul? Saul, the house of Saul had experienced a terrible thing since Saul died. Why had the house of Saul fallen? The house of Saul was supposed to be a mighty, mighty house. It was supposed to be a mighty, mighty place. But now it's ruined. It's destroyed. Why? Why was that? Well, the answer to that is because of sin. The answer to that is sin. Sin. Saul had fallen to sin. The wickedness of Saul brought his rejection by God and the demise of the house. The sin of Saul caused his dynasty to be stripped away and given to David. Here's the thing. Sin is such a deadly poison. Sin is such a deadly poison that just a little bit can ruin someone's life. Just a little bit can destroy someone. Sin destroys, it ruins, it brings the highest to the lowest. It turns beauty into ugliness, faithfulness into barrenness, life unto death. People such as athletes and famous people, they have all the riches in the world and they have such a high stature and then all of a sudden, boom, sin makes it all disappear. Can, can I encourage you that if you're maybe possibly playing with some sin here tonight, to quit, to quit it. And you may say, oh, it's okay. No, you know, it's fine. Can I tell you that sin will take you farther than you want to go? And it will keep you longer than what you want to stay. And can I tell you that it is such a terrible thing and that we need to realize and we need to be, we need to realize that our sin will destroy us. Maybe you're here and maybe you're listening and you're a first time listener and this is the first time you've heard about sin. Well, and you're like, well, what exactly is sin? Sin is anything we do, anything we think, or anything we say that breaks God's law, that destroys God's law. Can I encourage you to don't mess around with sin? Sin is a poison. And if you keep paying attention, I promise I'll tell you the antidotes to that poison. Okay, so we're going to see that we have, we see that David had compassion. He had compassion now, we also want to see the faithfulness of David, okay? Here's the thing. You may be wondering, why? What, so what? Why is, why is David wanting to do something for Jonathan? I mean, yeah, they were friends and all, but, but why? It's a big deal. I mean, I have friends. I had friends in high school. doesn't mean that I'm going to go out and, and, you know, do something super nice to them or anything like that. But he was very determined that he wanted to do something nice. And here's the thing, a number of years ago, before this time, David had made a covenant with Jonathan, which is referred to and renewed several times by their close friendship. 1 Samuel 18, verse 3, then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. This was a covenant of lasting friendship. David never forgot that covenant, and he wanted to be faithful to that covenant, even 20 years later after that covenant was made. So here's the thing, that God, God wants you to come.
come to him. God wants you to come to him. And he's done a mighty thing. He's done a wonderful and great thing. But here's the thing. He wants everyone to hear it. Maybe you're here and you say, man, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a wicked sinner. Well, good. Guess what? So are everybody else here. We're all wicked sinners. Well, we're going to go ahead and we have to see that God has a compassion. God has a compassion for us. John 3.16 John 3.16 says, for whosoever, for whosoever shall come, for whosoever, okay, it's for God so loved the for God so loved the world, he loved the entire world. So we have to realize that God has a compassion for us, okay? There's no question as what inspired David's compassion to show kindness to anybody. He wanted that. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel of Christ, that salvation is for everyone. Now we need to realize the condition of Mephibosheth. We have to realize that, okay, so what was the condition of Mephibosheth? What was going on with Mephibosheth? Okay, and it said, as David remembered, Jonathan, he asked this question, is there anyone left from Saul's house? I want to show them kindness for Jonathan's sake. One of the servants knew that Jonathan had a son. His name was Mephibosheth. His legs were lame. David said, bring him to me. Here's the thing. Mephibosheth was, that, uh, it was part of the house of Saul. His lineage was not very good. His lineage was not a desirable place. Saul was dead. His dynasty finished. The house of Saul was alienated from David. Mephibosheth came from the house that was foe, not a friend of David. Here's the thing. Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, the house of Saul and the house of David, they were not buddies. They did not, they did not come over and have potlucks together. Okay, they, they did not correlate. They did not, they were totally separated. Okay, here's the thing. This depicts on the condition of us as sinners. As us, us as sinners. As David removed the alienation of Mephibosheth from the house of God, so does Christ remove the alienation from us, off the sinner from God. Here's the thing, that when we are sinners, we are far away from God. When we, when we are sinning, we have not accepted Christ as our Savior, and you haven't made that decision to put your faith and trust in Christ, we are deprived. We are deprived sinners, and we need salvation. Mephibosheth was lame in both feet. He couldn't walk. He couldn't walk. The Bible says he was lame in both feet. He couldn't walk. He struggled. He struggled in walking. His, um, his measure of joy out of his life, it took away from that. And here's the thing, it prevented him from doing many activities. Imagine being lame in both feet. You know what, you, could, you probably couldn't, you wouldn't be able to run. You wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't be able to do many, many things. You wouldn't be able to bike ride. You wouldn't be able to do all sorts of physical activity. But here's the thing, same thing happens when a sinner is apart from Christ. The sinner is without strength to walk in the right ways. The sinner is without strength to walk in the right ways. Here's the thing. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you are bound by sin. You are bound by sin. You're crippled by sin. And you are, you are tied up in sin. And no matter how hard you try, can I encourage you? Can I tell you that you are still bound by sin? You can't do it. 
You can't do it. No matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you try, you say, well, Brother Z, hey, can I tell you that I am a great person. I am employee of the month material every single month. Well, that's great. I'm glad. Brother, Brother Z, can I, can I tell you something that I volunteer at the shelter? And man, let me tell you, I'm the number one volunteer. Well, that's great. But that's not, once again, you're still bound by sin. You're still bound by sin. Well, Brother Z, you don't understand. I donate some money to some nonprofits. Well, once again, that, that's great, but all that, and you're still bound. You're still bound by the sin. The sinner is without strength, just like how Mephibosheth couldn't walk right as a sinner not accepting God. We can't do right. We can't do right. So then, when David found out that there was someone left from the lineage of David, he immediately arranged for Mephibosheth to come unto David. So we're going to now take a look at the coming of Mephibosheth. Okay? But here's the thing. Notice the source. Notice the source of the seeking. King David was the one who wanted to initiate the coming. It was David who did this, not Mephibosheth. The whole thing was David's idea. The whole thing was David's idea. Now, here's the thing. David sent his servant to go and to grab Mephibosheth, to bring Mephibosheth to him. Guess who God uses to bring others to them? He uses us. He uses us, fellow Christians. He uses those. He uses fellow servants who have accepted him as their Savior. He he gives us the message to say, hey, God wants to fellowship with you. Hey, God, God wants you, and he has a great remedy for you. Why don't you come, and we can tell you how. And here's the thing. God uses us. God wants us to go and to bring people to him. When was the last time you did that? You say, well... You know, this whole COVID-19 thing, well, yes, that is true. It's making it a little bit more difficult. But, hey, can I tell you that we can still talk to people. We can still send them an email. We can still text them. We can still do all sorts of stuff. We can still send them the link to the messages. When was the last time that you went and you brought someone to Christ? So here's the thing that we go ahead and we see that David was the one who initiated this. It wasn't Mephibosheth. It wasn't Mephibosheth. Mark 16, 15. Here's the thing that Mark 16, 15, it said, And he said unto them, Go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. When David sent his servant he had a great and wonderful message. Here, can you imagine, can you imagine the, the news? The servant, he, David says, hey, servant, I want you to go and tell Mephibosheth that I want to have supper with him, that I want to meet with him. Can you imagine the servant's like, all right, man, this is going to be great. I'm about, to, I'm about to change Mephibosheth's life. I'm about to give him some good news. You know what, man, the servant could be excited. He's giving great news. Don't you love giving great news? Right? It's always a good thing. Maybe at work. 
right? Maybe if you're in charge of somebody and, and you get to tell them that, you got a, that, uh, that they get a raise, man, that's great. Or, man, maybe you, you know, your boss comes in and says, hey, what about this project? And you can say, guess what? I've already finished it. That's great news. That's great news, right? Maybe you have great news to tell your spouse. Maybe you have great news to tell your kids. Hey, kids, guess what? After Wednesday night church, we're going to go get some ice cream, right? Yeah, that's some great news right there, okay? So here's the thing. We love to tell great news. Can I tell you that we have the best news that we get to go tell people, We have the best news that we get to go tell people. We get to go tell them about Christ. We get to go tell them, hey, guess what? This whole world is terrible and gloomy and the news is awful. Can I tell you, I have some great news right here, and that's Jesus Christ. Hey, can I tell you that Jesus Christ is in control right now? Yeah, I know. I know this whole world seems a little crazy, but hey, can I tell you that God knows what's going on, and God loves you. God cares for you. And he doesn't matter what you look like. He doesn't matter about what your skin color is. He doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what side, where you live, whether it's in Caldwell, Meridian, anywhere. He loves you. Man, that's some great news right there. That's some great news. But yet, so many times, we don't tell anybody. So many times, we'd rather talk about sports. We'd rather talk about Fox News, whether talk about what's on Twitter, what's on Instagram, what's on TikTok, you know, what we, we want to say that, but we have the most important news that we need to start telling people. 2 Samuel 9, 5, then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Meshur and the son of Amel from Lidor. The two words out of emphasizes a separation, bringing Mephibosheth to David. Mephibosheth was dwelling in a terrible place, and David wanted to rescue him out of this situation. Can I tell you that God wants to do the same thing for you? Can I tell you that, hey, hey, before we were saved, we're locked up, we're chained up, we're bound by sin. We have to choose to do sin. We can't do right. Man, that sounds like a miserable life. Okay, you're bound by chains, and you can't do anything about it. And then, one day, hey, guess what? God has the power to remove those chains. God has the power to free you from your sin. And can I tell you that he wants you. And so guess what? When we go ahead and we accept Christ as our Savior, we break through those chains of sin. And now, guess what? We get to come over here and we get to fellowship with God. We get to talk to God. We get to be with God. Can I tell you, it's a lot better to be with God than it is to be over here in sin. It's a lot better to fellowship over here than it is to be trapped over here. But so many times can I tell you that what we like to do is we like our sin. We like our sin. We like our sin on the computer. We like our sin on the TV. We like our sin of gossip. And guess what we do? We get freed. We accept Christ as our Savior and we're free to do what we want to do, you know, to try to serve God. But guess this is what we do. And we, we get sucked back into our sin. Can I encourage you that God has pulled us out. 
you may say, you don't understand, Brother Z, I have faced this my entire life. I have struggled with this sin. I've struggled with the sin of lying. I've struggled with the sin of gossip. Can I tell you that God has given you the power to where He has pulled you out. You are a new person when you accept Christ as your Savior. So what you've done in the past, it's all been washed away by the blood. And can I encourage you that you can overcome that sin if you've accepted Christ as your Savior. Can you imagine, can you imagine the servant comes up to Mephibosheth? says, hey, King David wants to talk to you. Me? Me? Like, me? Like, I can't even walk. And he wants me? Yep, King David wants to talk to you. Wow. And guess what? I can imagine too as well. He's probably thinking, why would the king want to talk to me? Why would the king want to talk to me? Here's the thing too as well. If you look, if you look in verse 6, 2 Samuel 9 verse 6. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. Here's the thing. David's brought, or uh, Mephibosheth is brought before David. He instantly hits the ground and he worships him. He instantly, it says, reverence him. He's probably worried. He's about to see the king. He's like, okay, our houses, we don't fellowship at all. And the leader of King David's house wants to see me. He's probably ready to do away with my house. He's probably ready to destroy me. But he comes anyways. And he bows down. He bows down, and here's the great thing right here. And it says, And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will show thee kindness. I will show thee kindness. David was about to change Mephibosheth's life. Here's the thing, what would have happened if Mephibosheth would have refused to come? Would he have been blessed? No. But he chose to come. Maybe you're here, or maybe you're listening at home, and you're struggling with wanting to come to Christ. You're struggling with your salvation. You're struggling with maybe making a commitment to Christ. Can I tell you to come? To come to Christ. Make that decision. Make that decision. It'll change your life forever. Man, that day, if, you, if, you've been sa- if you've been saved, you've asked Jesus to be your Savior, you should remember that day. That day that you asked Christ to be your Savior. It was one of the greatest days. It is the greatest day of my life. When I realized that I was a sinner and I realized that Jesus paid for it. And I was able to accept him as my Savior. That can happen to you. If you haven't done that, can I encourage you? It would be the greatest day of your life if you've ever done that. So David told him, told Mephibosheth to get up. And then he says, I'm going to restore to you all of the land that belongs to, your, to Saul. I will provide you servants and helpers. 
So here's the thing. So David, so Mephibosheth, he's bowed down. He says, don't be scared. He said, okay, I'm not scared, right? And then all of a sudden, David says, hey, I'm about to change your life. He says, hey, you know all that land, all that land that belonged to, to Saul? Guess what? It's now yours. What? Right? Can you imagine? David? Mephibosheth's like, what? Okay, and then, and then, can you, and then he says, okay, I'm going to even do something even better. I'm going to give you servants and helpers to manage that land. Mephibosheth, I, right? Absolutely shocked and stunned. Mephibosheth had no idea that this was happening or this was going to happen. And then King David says, and one other thing, I want you to sit at my table for every meal. I want you, every meal, to come. You get to sit by the king. And you get to have fellowship with the king. You get to go ahead and you get to sup with the king. Here's the thing. There were significant changes that took place in the life of Mephibosheth. And we can correlate that with Christ. So one, we see the safety in the change. David could have killed Mephibosheth, but gave him safety. Can I tell you that? salvation gives life. Salvation gives life where death was expected. Where death was expected. And, and, and when you ask Christ to be your Savior, your, destiny, your, your, your path has changed. You were once going down a terrible path on your way to a terrible place called hell. And then when you experience and you go ahead and you ask Christ to be your Savior, your path completely changes to the other direction, and you're on your way to a, a, a great place called heaven. Safety in the change. David easily could have killed Mephibosheth, but he didn't. Salvation gives life where there is death. The standing change. David made Mephibosheth one of the king's son. Instead of being forgotten in disgrace, he could now be treated royally. What a high position Mephibosheth just got placed. Here's the great thing. Salvation brings the redeemed as sons of God. No less. Mephibosheth was elevated greatly by coming to David, but far greater is the elevation for those that accept Christ as their Savior. Here's the thing is that we get to go, just like what Mephibosheth happened. Mephibosheth now can talk to the king. He can go to the king every meal. We get to do the same thing. We, but here's the thing. We get to go and have fellowship with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And we get to go to Him daily. We can talk to Him anytime. We can talk to Him in the morning. We can talk to Him in the afternoon. We can talk to Him at nighttime. We can talk to Him on the way home from uh, it's st- stuck at 5 o'clock traffic. We can talk to Him anytime we want. We have that fellowship. But now here's the thing. When's the last time that you had fellowship with the King? What if Mephibosheth, what does David say, hey, I want you, I want you, Mephibosheth, to come sit with me and to eat with me. And the very next meal, Mephibosheth is nowhere to be seen. The very next, maybe he shows up one time, he eats really quick, he leaves, and then he stops coming. You say, well, that would be really foolish because David has given him so much. Exactly. 
God has given us so much. He's given us, he's given up his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. The ultimate, ultimate sign of love. And yet, we sometimes, we sometimes forget to pray to him. We don't talk to him. We don't bring our needs to him. We, instead of going, instead of going to the book and, tell, and seeing what God wants us to do, instead of going here to the holy book, instead we go to Facebook. And we, and we, ask, we ask and be like, oh man, I'm so worried, I'm scared, what am I going to do? Oh man, and we throw our emotions onto that when we really should be reading this to see what we need to do. We see that the stand, there was standing change. There was supping change. And lastly, there was security in the change. David provided Mephibosheth with royal security. This tells us that David's kindness to Mephibosheth was not temporarily an arrangement, but a permanent one. Here's the thing. David was given servants. He was given all sorts of things. And it wasn't just a one-time thing and you're done. No. This was a forever thing. Can I tell you? Salvation is forever. Salvation is forever too as well. This tells, this tells us that, you know what? Just like Mephibosheth, God's gifts are forever. God's eternal gift of salvation is forever. And that's wonderful. Man, it's so great realizing that, hey, you know what? If I messed up today, I still have my salvation. If I, if I mess up 10 years from now, guess what? I still have my salvation. Because salvation is eternal. Salvation is all of grace. Works does not save. Neither does works keep one saved. Salvation never depends on the behavior of man. It depends on God. Here's the thing. Salvation, you can't earn it like this trophy. You can't earn it. You'd be like, well, what if I read the Bible a hundred times? That's great, but that's a work. Mm -mm. Well, what if I give money to the church? I have lots of it. That's wonderful. You can make the check out to West Valley Baptist Church, but it's not going to get you to, it's not going to get you to heaven. Here's the thing. Salvation isn't like this trophy. You can't earn it. God's grace, it's not like this trophy. You can't earn it. Here's the thing. We need to realize that God's grace is like this present. Remember, did we have to do anything for this present? No. So here's the thing. Salvation. Can I tell you that salvation is one of the, is the greatest present that we can ever accept? We can accept that. Now here's the thing. Maybe you're here and you say, Brother Z, I haven't accepted that salvation. Well, guess what? Here's the great thing. Just like how I didn't have to do anything for this present, the only thing I had to actually do was accept the present. Guess what you only have to do for salvation? Is just accept it. 
Here's the other great thing. God keeps giving blessings. And we have grace. Can I tell you that grace is free? Grace is free. You know what? You couldn't, you can't earn it, but it's free. God's grace, it's for me, it's for you. It's for everyone. And God's grace is forever. God's grace is forever. You may say, hey, I brought up the fact that sin is a poison. Maybe you're here and you say, man, you know what? I have poison. I've, I've been playing with it. Well, can I tell you the antidote? The antidote is Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. Jesus has the cure. He came down to this earth and he didn't sin one time. And because he didn't sin one time, he was able to take the ultimate sacrifice. He died on the cross. Did he deserve to die? No, he didn't deserve to die. But here's the thing. Our sin deserves a punishment. It says in the book of Romans, for the wages of sin is death. Here's the thing. My sin gets me a wage of death. And here's the thing that Jesus Christ says, hey, I'll take that wage for you. I'll take that punishment. I'll take that debt that you owe. And he died on the cross to pay for our sins. And he died for us, for you. And three days later, he rose again from the grave. And he's up there in heaven. And now he's saying, hey, hey, I have a gift for you. I have a gift for you. It's for everybody. Everybody loves gifts. Here's the thing. I have it. I've paid for it. Just like how, just like how, uh, just like how you've paid for presents to give to other people, Jesus Christ has paid for this present already. You don't have to buy it. Okay? If my wife gave me a brand new iMac, guess what? I don't have to buy it. She's already bought it for me because she's an awesome wife. Okay? Here's the thing. Okay? God has paid for this gift. And, here, and he wants you to have it. The gift of salvation is for everyone. And maybe you're here tonight and you've never accepted that gift. And maybe you've been trying to earn your salvation. Can I tell you that that's not going to work? It's not going to work. You can't earn your salvation. You can't earn God's grace. It's already been paid for and it's already free. Maybe you're here tonight and you'd say, man, I have the antidote, but I haven't been taking it to people. I have the cure for this terrible disease, but yet I'm keeping it to myself. Can I encourage you here tonight, maybe make a decision so that I'm no longer going to keep this to myself. I'm going to go and tell others the great news. I'm going to bring others to the King of Kings. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, man, I'm saved. I've told others about Christ, but I haven't been fellowshipping with my king. I haven't been talking to him. I haven't been praying like I should be. I haven't been taking praying seriously. I haven't been taking my Bible reading seriously. Maybe that's your decision here tonight. And you say, you know what? I need to start taking advantage 
of talking to my king, the great king. And just like Mephibosheth, we get to be changed. Our lives are changed. Just like Mephibosheth, his life was changed by King David, our lives get to be changed because of Jesus Christ and what he's done. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come before you here tonight, Lord, a lot was said, and, and Lord, you, you know the hearts of your people. And Lord, how great it is, Lord, to know that we can come to you and that you can give us blessings beyond our imaginations. And, and Lord, you can help us when we're in need. But Lord, sometimes we just struggle. Sometimes we don't talk to you. Sometimes we play with sin that we shouldn't be playing with. And Lord, I pray that tonight would be the night that we would make a decision for you. Whether it's going to tell others about you more, tell the great news, or whether it's praying more. Or Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you as your Savior, or someone watching online, I pray that they would reach out to us about salvation and that wonderful free gift. And Lord, we ask that you be with this tonight and during this time in Jesus' name. As the piano plays, the altar is open.